I know I'm on the record. I hate it when people are murdered over money. I hate it. I hate it so much. I hate the title of this episode, which is Basketball Murder for Money. Can you say his name? His name is Lorenzen Wright. Thank you so much. Jesus Christ. <laughs> not you. You know, no, them. The royal Jesus And not Christ. you. If it doesn't apply to you, it's not about you. <laughs> Hi, Julian Benzavalli. Hi, Patrick Hine. Hey, fam. We would love you to join our Facebook group. There's so yeah. much happening. I did a watch party the other night for you, for what episode one of Love Is One oh, on the God. Patreon. You mean hate, hate is hate above all? It was wild to do a watch because everyone was like reacting to it in real time. It's so all in the chat, right? It's all in the chat. So I'm going to be doing these in the Facebook group. We might be moving it to a Discord. We'll see. But okay. like, another reason to join the Facebook group. Awesome. There's like over 50,000 people in there making friends, talking about the episodes, sharing their dog pictures. It's just a great place to go. Yeah. It's True Crime Obsessed Podcast Discussion Group. Just yeah. go find it. You got to answer some questions to be let in. So. Yeah, but it's easy. Yeah, they're easy. Um, I mean, you know the answer because it's about like Because it's about you. It's about you. <laughs> also, just join us on the Patreon. We're doing so many fun events over there. We got Drag yes. Bingo coming up again. We've got our Patreon Happy Hour coming mm-hmm. up. We're doing a magic show. Oh, my God. Uh, what else? There's another thing happening I can't even remember. We got a lot going on. And like ad-free versions of these episodes. And then that's where we do all of our series. Like Love Has Won. We're doing Natalia Grace. We do like all the wild crimes. Oh, my like, God. Everything we're that's like four, five, six, seven, eight episodes. We're doing Twin Flames soon. We're doing Twin Flames. It's going to be wild. So there's over 400 full ad-free bonus apps that you can download and binge the second yep. you sign up. It's patreon.com slash Obsessed. Yeah. What are we talking about today? So this is the murder of Lorenzen Wright. It is an episode of that show, Rich and Shameless, that we've done before. Yes. And this is the murder of Lorenzen Wright. We checked all his friends from here to Atlanta, Mississippi, everywhere. So we, I don't have a clue. Deborah Marion is talking about her son, Lorenzen Wright. The last time anyone in her family saw the 6'11 former NBA player was Sunday night. Marion says Wright was at his ex-wife's home in Collierville between 10 and 11. When the ex woke up, he was gone. Their car still in the driveway. That weekend, and he needed to be home for his sister's baby shower. He never showed up. I called him all, all that day. Never answered the phone, never returned my call. I'm talking the whole three days, and he didn't call nobody back. It opens on March 15th, 2022. We're in the Shelby County Criminal Court in Memphis. And Lorenzen's mom, a woman named Deborah, we're seeing the end. They're kind of starting at the end. Yeah. And she's just on the stand and she's sobbing. And she's telling us about her son. He was a famous basketball player. He started in college. He went to the NBA. And, like, most importantly, for, like, the purposes of this episode, he made a lot of money. Yeah. Now, quick note. Sometimes they call her Deborah. Yes. But I actually tracked down this testimony on YouTube because I knew she would have to introduce herself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's actually incredibly moving to watch. But she says Deborah. Okay. So if she said it on the stand. Then we're saying it. That's, I mean, uh, right? Yes. Okay, great. Now, she also says on the stand that she knew something was wrong when her son didn't return her call. Right. Because he always returned her call. And then it's an instant cutaway to the 911 call. Absolutely. Where we just hear a person say, hello, and then an ambush of gunfire. Right. So then we have our opening credits. So now we go back to July 24th, 2010. Lorenzen has been missing for five days. And he was last seen at his ex-wife's home between like 10 or 11 p.m. And when his ex woke up, he was gone. His car is still in the driveway. And no one has seen him. His mom is saying, we've checked with all of his friends from Atlanta to Mississippi. Nobody has a clue. Let me say something about Deborah Marion. She is with us the entire time. She is a force to be reckoned with. There's footage of her from years ago, but she's sitting here with us now. She's got a lot of 
thoughts and feelings. She's awesome. Yes. Do not mess with Deborah. <laughs> and I'm talking to someone in particular, and we'll get to her in a I'm moment. I'm giving her a good old-fashioned hero bell. She's amazing. She is amazing. But we also learn from a news report. The last time anyone in her family saw the 611 former NBA player was Sunday night. Marion says Wright was at his ex-wife's home in Collierville between 10 and 11. When the ex woke up, he was gone. Their car still in the driveway. 611? That's almost seven feet. Seven feet tall. It would be hard for a person that big to go missing. Right. And also super famous and well-loved and yes. known in the community. Like, like, he's from the sports world, and that's a name that even I know. Even yeah. I've heard the name Lorenzen Wright. Of course. You know? Of course. So, the weekend he went missing, too, he was supposed to be at his sister's baby shower. Like, yes. this is a family guy. He He's very close to the people in his life. Like, he would never not show up to this, and he would no. never not call yes. or answer a phone call. He The mom says he was like a gentle giant. She says he was always there for me when I needed him. Somebody says at another point, like down the road, family first. It was like family, yeah. then basketball. Right. Well, let's talk about his basketball career a little bit because we yes. need John, the sports journalist. And he was at the Baseball Hall of Fame working on a different story. That's not a verbal typo. It's, he was at the Baseball <laughs> Hall of Fame. And he starts getting these texts about Lorenzen Wright. Can I just take a quick break here to tell you that many years ago, I worked at the W in Hoboken. I was a hotel concierge. Hoboken is like a city in New Jersey. That's where basketball oh no I'm thinking about baseball never mind that's where baseball was invented but we were just talking about baseball oh we were oh, that's right, why I just said we're at the Baseball Hall of Fame <laughs> what is that Cooperstown we can't do a sports doc and have me not oh, get very confused we gotta focus here we gotta focus yeah but there's an intersection in the city of Hoboken it's like a town of Hoboken where like the kids who invented baseball and like it's like you can go and see like where first second and third base was wow they invented it there Cool. Frank Sinatra is that right? lived there too. Well, you think I'm lying? Sometimes you do that. <laughs> That's true. Sometimes you I, try to reel me in hook, line, and sinker. At some point, also in this documentary, somebody says that Lorenzen Wright was the Michael Jordan of NBA of and like of, of of like major league basketball. And I'm like, wasn't Michael Jordan the they Michael Jordan? They probably just meant like the new Michael Jordan. Okay. All right. Well, I was a little bit like, but then I was confused as to what sport Michael Jordan played. He and did I had play to look baseball for a while. He did? He did. Was he on like it the Olympic well. dream team or something? No, no, no. He just like switched careers. Some people think Come that there's on. like a li- some ulterior motives going on there. When but I make my true scandal. crime documentary about the Tonys, I'm not going to confuse you. You know what I mean? I'm going to know that we need to streamline. Right. We, we're we're doing- not going to start talking about the Golden Globes. Right. <laughs> or like the Obies, the Obies, which are the off-Broadway <laughs> Awards. I'd watch a documentary about the Obies. Me too, actually. That would be amazing. Anyway. Yeah. Travel. Girl, Helix is back. I woke up this morning having had the best night of my life. And like I said last time we had Helix, I actually thanked the Lordess for Helix. Yeah, because you were sleeping. You feel rested and rejuvenated and ready to go thanks to your Helix mattress. Fam, Helix is customized for you. And the way they do this, you take a two-minute sleep quiz. You go online, you tell them your preferences. If you're a side sleeper, a hot sleeper, a cold sleeper, Mm -hmm. whatever. And in two minutes, they tell you the exact right mattress for you. You order it. They send it right to your door. Yeah, so I was paired with the Midnight Lux. Yes. I love it. Mike loves it. Let me tell you who else loves it. Fiona loves it. She loves bedtime. She crawls into bed. Oh. We all love the Helix mattress so much. Oh. And they offer a 100 night trial and a 10 to 15 year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. So you're sleeping on this thing for 100 nights. Oh, you think it's a fluke for the first right. few nights? No, no, no. All 100 nights. You're not. You're gonna lose track. Right. Because you're gonna keep it. Look, they've got all kinds of accolades, fam. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress by GQ and Wired magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your 
sleep. Everyone's having a hard time with sleep. I think this is the answer. Yeah, and Helix mattresses are delivered in a box and straight to your door for free. For free, fam. And also, fam, Helix right now is taking 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash TCO and use code HELIXPARTNER20. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Did you like how I said that? It won't last long. Yeah. <laughs> you sleep like a cartoon character. Exactly. Exactly. So John is at the Baseball Hall of Fame working on something totally different. Yes. And he starts getting all these text messages about Lorenzen Wright. And he's like, wait, what? Like, how is he missing? Because what they're saying, not only is he enormous. Like, it'd be like, I imagine hide and seek with this guy. Like, right. he's he not climbing into the dryer. He wins every time. <laughs> you know? No, he loses every time. Well, I, mean, I thought because he is so tall, he could find oh, anybody. Right. But now, You're not imagine, like hiding behind look, a tree with Imagine this Wright. man trying to hide behind a couch. Imagine it right no, now. He'd you, probably let you win. He was that nice totally. of a guy. <laughs> I try to imagine him crawling into the dryer now. It's yeah, not going to work. It's not working. You know what I mean? That's also, just don't do that. But also That's don't do that. That's a bad idea. Oh, God. It's like around. that episode of Punky Brewster where that kid cl- crawled into the refrigerator and almost Alan almost died. Alan? You don't, know, don't this know this. Ep- this is like the most traumatizing episode of anything from the 80s. Really? Yes. Alan, fam, back me up on the get into the group if you know what I'm talking about. Okay. Alan crawls into a refrigerator, but it's one that doesn't. Was it a very special episode of Punky Brewster? It really was. He cr- like, And it was like they were playing hide and seek, and then he couldn't get out, and he passed out, and then he almost died. How are you not able to get out of a refrigerator? (laughs) Because it's one of the old ones from the 50s that only opens from the outside. What? Do you not know about this? I thought it was this little suction one where you just like press. No. It was like an icebox from the Honeymooners? (laughs) It was like an icebox. Yes. Yes. It was like an icebox. So what happened? They got him out. Teacher Mike got him out just in time. And everyone felt real bad because Alan was misbehaving at school that day. And he got yelled at. And then Mike, the teacher, thought like, oh my God, then the kid died this day. But then he didn't. Wow. They they opened the- Now I don't have to watch the episode. Oh my God. They open the refrigerator and he's passed out. Inside. Oh, come on. Yes. Aaron, show us. He was in there show for, us. what, 20 minutes? I don't know, but he couldn't breathe, Julian. It was, it's a scarring moment. Okay, I'm sorry. I feel like people are being re-traumatized okay. and I'm laughing about it and I apologize for that. <laughs> but anyway, this guy from the, from the, this sports journalist, which is a job, he- It's like- I know. Look, a major job. I know it is. It's just like, oh my God, it's like, there's a, a baseball hall of fame. It's a game. It was invented at that intersection in New Jersey. People love, they love it. Talk about it. Wait, I know, I know, I know. But he's saying, how could Lorenzen Wright be missing? Lorenzen Wright, who was sort of the, the least likely figure to go missing just because he was so public and charismatic. He was 34 years old and had so many friends and everybody knew where he was all the time. It seemed so out of character. And the fact that it was in Memphis, where this guy was literally the prince of the city. He calls him the prince of the city. Exactly. Like, people always have eyes on this guy because everyone loves him. Yeah. So, Lorenzen Wright was born November 4th, 1975. Scorpio. Um, yeah. <laughs> and his his mom is like, you know, he was a little country boy. He was, in, he was born in Oxford, Mississippi. Yeah. And, like, just a good kid. Good kid. And by ninth grade, his basketball talents, everyone's like, okay, he's going to be a superstar. His mom tells the story about, like, waking up I one morning. It's so good. She's, like, woken up to the sound of somebody, like, bouncing a ball it's in the driveway. It's still dark out. She's yes. like, what is that? She doesn't even know what the sound is. Yes. is of a basketball bouncing. She sees her. She's like, and she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, uh, you told me to focus. So I'm focusing. And she's like, you know what? You got me. Yeah. Because she said, if you want to do this basketball thing, like then do it. And like, he's like, mom, I got to get up before the sun so I can practice shooting my hoops or whatever. And there she is eating her words being like, wow. Yeah. yeah. That's, I told him to do it. But she's like, I can't get mad at him. Nope. I told him to focus. What is more focused than 
dribbling a basketball before sunrise. Like, it was like me with the trombone in sixth grade. Absolutely. He what? was. Someone says he was born to play basketball. You were born to play trombone for those two seconds yeah, yeah, because yeah. I've never heard you talk about your trombone oh, really? career. I did play the trombone, but I, I lost a lot of interest when I realized you never get the melody. You, it's never like yeah. jingle bells no. on the trombone. It's always like bomb, 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 bomb. Which... Is very valuable. It's very important. It the is. song wouldn't exist without you, but to play, I can understand you being. I like, didn't oh, want to be a supporting player, GP. I wanted to be the. Tell star. me about it. <laughs> Tell me about it. And that is a very cute story. Which Thank I you love. so much. Not yours. I mean, oh. Deborah's about Lorenzen's. <laughs> I love that story. <laughs> Mine is, in fact, the opposite of cute. It's just a story. Yeah, it's just a story. Hers was a cute, great, heartwarming story. Yours was just a story. Mine was just a story. A beginning, middle, and an end. Yeah. So oh, my God. we meet Dr. Bill Atkins. He's a pastor. Yes. And he says that Lorenzen came from a super rural background, but then he came to Memphis because it was what he calls a hub of basketball talent. He, like, moves there. He moves to Memphis to go to Booker T. Washington High School. He's 6'10". He's described as springy and very slim, but he had the goods. Yeah, and Michael, his friend, is like... Me and Lorenzen Wright were best friends growing up as, as kids. He was a big goofball growing up, and then the clumsiness started going away. I would say after his freshman year at the University of Memphis, um, that's when Dick Vitale really, really started saying his name, like, the risen right, baby. We knew for at that moment, he was definitely going to make it to the NBA. He grew into himself, and that clumsiness went away, and then it's like, oh, yes. he's a superstar. And now, to be fair, like, just because you're tall doesn't mean you can also play basketball. Right. Luckily for Lorenzen, he had the passion, the fire, the talent, and yes. the height. He have, had it all. Have you met um, Natalie's friend, Ollie? Of course. <laughs> he's I love like, Ollie. He's easily as tall as Lorenzen, he's right? He's tall. And Ollie's would, not playing basketball. <laughs> Again, with all the love of my I know. heart. I call him Tolly. I am always told that people stop him on the street and ask to take a picture yeah, with him. Yeah, he is very tall. He, and he wears it great. He does wear it. This, I love him so much. Natalie awesome. will always like take he's he's British, so Natalie will take him home for holidays. Yeah. But Natalie's well, name's Ollie. So, his, yeah. Exactly. Natalie rents the smallest cars. Like to save money, <laughs> Natalie rents the smallest cars they can find. And I always imagine them driving on the highway with, with his ho- knees up to his chin. And his head sticking out the sunroof. Yeah. Like oh, that's how Ollie <laughs> gets home. It's Tolly. He's a tall drink of water. I love him. God bless him. But we learned that like after high school, he goes to the University of Memphis and we learn about a guy named Dick Vitale. Dick Vitale is is like, he's a super famous like commentator. He was the voice of college basketball on ESPN for 41 years. He loved to go, Lorenzen right, baby. Well, his catchphrase, I looked him up today. His catchphrase is, it's awesome, baby. So (laughs) there was actually a video game made about him called Dick Vitale's Awesome Baby College Hoops. And then he was like a voice in other basketball video games. Like oh he's just, he was like ubiquitous. Like, but th- he's a legend. So yes. all of Lorenzen's friends are like, this guy just would not stop saying his name and yeah. pointing out the things he's doing. So for this legend to be talking about Lorenzen Wright, it was a really really big deal because this guy's seen it all. Yeah. So he's like, oh, superstar. And that's how they knew that Lorenzen was going on to the NBA. Right. So 1996 is the NBA draft. The 1996 NBA draft, which is a seminal draft. It's Allen Iverson. It's Steve Nash. It's Kobe Bryant. And Lorenzen Wright is picked ahead of Kobe Bryant and absolutely justified that selection. He was drafted ahead of Kobe Bryant and should have been because here's what the career he go, Lorenzen yeah. goes on to have. He said it was an absolutely justified selection. Lorenzen played more than 13 years, around 800 games, and was a reliable, durable performer for more than a decade. He earned more than $55 million in contracts. He's a, like, in every sense of the word, an A-list NBA player. Yeah. True superstar. And he was also really consistent on the court, which is something coaches are looking for. It's like, it's not like, oh, we had a great game. Every game's a great game. Yes. Every game's an awesome 
awesome game. He just know like he was born, truly born to do this. It's so amazing. Like that's what the the best thing for me about doing the sports documentaries is like when you meet somebody who is just doing what they were meant to be doing. Right. And they're good at it and they love it. Yeah. Like it is. It's so inspiring to see that when we were doing the malice of the malice pal, the yeah. malice of the palace episode, yeah, yeah. the way those guys talked about being on a team, I remember getting so jazzed yeah. about the yep. idea of like team sports and camaraderie. Totally. And it's a beautiful thing because it's not about being an individual. It's why like when like the shitty like basketball like Dennis Rodman or whatever just wants to be famous for being himself right, right, right. and then you see the actual and I'm not saying Dennis Rodman was a bad basketball player I have no idea but like when you He's hear the actual people talk about what it's like to work together as a team to accomplish a goal yeah. it's like that to me is the most inspiring and that's why I think even if you don't you're not watching football every week yeah. during football season like a football movie like Rudy uh, you know uh, or like, like watching like Friday Night Lights like oh Rudy oh god <laughs> Don't you love Rudy? I've been I, waiting for this my whole life. Five foot nothing, a hundred nothing. Can I tell you, what? when I was in the marching band playing the trombone, we went on a band trip and the one fun thing we did was we saw Rudy in the movie theater. Are you crying? Rudy, Rudy. They all put their jerseys. I know, I know. And then John Favreau, he's so little. Yeah. Oh God, Rudy. If you want a good, like feel good yeah. cry of just like, oh. If everyone could do me a solid and stop telling me that I look like Sean Astin from Lord of the Rings, I'd really appreciate it. Sean Thank Astin's you so handsome. Much. Okay, moving on. Okay. <laughs> hey, Sean, my DMs are open, I guess. He's oh. a good guy. I'm just saying, because you, you are mad for some reason. I just, yes, I just, like, I don't want to be told I look like Elton John or the lead singer of the Bare Naked Ladies. These are okay. not, like, people that are, they're not the Marilyn Monroes of the male musical okay. world. Yeah, you know like, I mean? y'all wear glasses. Right. Cool hot take. <laughs> yeah. Travel. Girl, Pretty Litter is back. Yeah, Pretty Litter is that amazing kitty litter that smells great, yes. that doesn't clump all over your house, and lets you know if your cat isn't feeling well. That's the thing. They have those crystals that change color to indicate early signs of potential illness in your cat. Cats cannot talk to you. Yeah. As much as you think they are talking, they are not. They yep. need to pee on a thing to tell you if they're not feeling good. Meowing is not talking, although it might feel like it is. Right. And here's the thing. We've all walked into a house yes. where you love your friend, but you don't love the smell and like you're stepping on those on the on the litter all over the it's just it's not a good look everybody they track it everywhere when it's not pretty litter and your house just stinks but no pretty litter instantly traps odor like it's a total game changer in the kitty litter game also they send it to your house you don't have to go to the store and lug those 80 pound bags of litter anymore yeah it's super absorbent it's lightweight it's low dust and one six pound bag again the six pound bag that that they deliver to you can last up for a month without clumping so you're not wasting litter either my god like think about all the litter you're Saying whether it's being dragged all over your house or just dink the place up. Come on. Fam, we count on Pretty Litter to keep our house smelling fresh and clean. And you can too. So go to prettylitter.com slash TCO to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash TCO to save 20% on your first order. Prettylitter.com slash TCO. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And also the non-smelling component here, it cannot be overstated. It really can't. But you get nose blind to it. You forget. And then a guest comes over. Over and they're like, everything smells great. I love I love your house. I love your smell. It smells amazing. Jim Jackson is a former NBA player, and they weren't on the same team, but yeah. they were friends. And so like they came up together, they competed against each other, and he's just like recognizing how great Lorenzen yeah. is. But he also says, like, and he gets very real here. He's like, When he came to the NBA, money changes your area code, your zip code, your bank account. Well, it changes a lot of stuff for you. He would buy cars like some other people would buy shirts to go on their backs. 
$55 million is a lot of money. And he was like, you know, they say Lorenzen was super generous, but he also loved to get things for himself. They say he bought cars the way some people bought shirts. Right. He loved Rottweilers, and I'm like, girl, same. I know. He would fly to Germany for, like, specific dogs. He spent over three hundred grand on dogs. Right. And I'm like, I know that, like, rescue dogs aren't everyone's path in life or whatever, but, like, if he can. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Yes. This is where they say he was the Michael Jordan of NBA entourages, to which I said, wasn't Michael Jordan the Michael Jordan of NBA entourages? I missed that, so I have no... I I I had to write it down, and then I got in a rabbit hole of making sure that Michael Jordan actually was from the NBA. And you didn't... (laughs) Sweetheart. (laughs) And you didn't see that he played basketball for... I mean, baseball for a little bit? Nope, I missed all of that. But didn't he, like, make... He made, like, a cartoon movie. Space Jam. Yeah. (laughs) Which, like, the website is still live and active, and it's, like, from 1996 or whatever. Yeah, he made Space Jam. Okay, okay. (laughs) Please respect Space Jam. You're absolutely right. Um, But Lorenzen was giving money away to his family, his friends. He was super proud of that. And he took care of all of them. We see this a lot, right? Yeah. Like, fancy cars and nice apartments. They were going to Shaq's birthday party. I mean, this is where I made... Because my best friend Michael is telling us all of this. And, like, Michael, like, yes, he would get to stay in fancy hotels whenever he traveled with Lorenzen. He got to go to Shaq's birthday party. And I was like... That must have been a blowout. Even I would want to go to Shaq's birthday party. But, like, if you love basketball and you're in that world and you're friends with this, like, super famous guy who's taking you to Shaq's birthday party... I'm like, this would be, like, me getting... Like, my best friend is a backup singer for the Indigo Girls. Yes! And I get to be backstage at fucking Lilith Fair. And here's the thing, and this is, like... All the respect in the world that Shaq deserves. But, like, at Shaq's birthday party, Shaq might be the least impressive person there because uh-huh. everyone wants to go to Shaq's birthday uh-huh. party. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you're going to Shaq's birthday yeah, yeah, yeah. party, like, who else is there? Do you think the Indigo Girls are there? Yeah. Wouldn't that, I mean, I bet Shaq you Shaq is very them. impressive, I'm just saying. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Yes, like, he, yes. that's a kind of party where it's like, who's not at I Shaq's know. party, right? I know, I Back know. Back then? But, yeah, like, he knows how lucky he is to have Lorenzo in his life. He says, he's like, we thought we hit the lottery. 100%. And Lorenzo was like, yup, like, yep, cool. Yep. So let's go back to 2010, right? Lorenzen has been missing for seven days. And we learned that, like, sometimes this would happen. Like, he would, he would. I hate that. I hate it when people are like, yeah, sometimes, like, my super rich friend would just disappear for a couple days. But he would say, I'm going for a long weekend. Like, like, he never did this. Well, like, when you have money like that, you have a target on your back. And you need to always let your fuck, like, tell your mom where you are. You know what I mean? The friends are saying he did exactly that. Yeah. And and that's that's why this is suspicious. Then I'm less mad at him now. Okay, good. (laughs) Don't be mad at him at all. Because his friends are like, yeah, he would go away for the weekend, but he, everyone would know. Yes. He'd tell someone where he was going. Or if he wanted to lay low. He'd tell his mom, he'd yep. tell somebody, right? He just gotta. But he didn't, like, that didn't happen, so that's how they know this is not good. And now we see his ex-wife, Shara, and like, a TV news interview. Yeah. Remember, the last time he was seen was at her house, and she says, He was fun. And he's fine now, and I can't, I'm not gonna believe anything other than that he's fine now. There's nothing alarming. Also, nothing to see here. No. He had no enemies. He was so well liked. Like, let's and end this. Also, interview. like, he has seven kids. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we'll get into their relationship in a little bit. Yeah. So Darren Goods is here. He's a retired Memphis police officer, and he's he's working the Lorenzen Wright case. Yeah. So July 18th, 2010. This is the night Lorenzen disappeared, and now we're back to this truly heartbreaking 911 call from the top of the episode. And Darren tells us it was shortly after midnight that the call came in. It came into 
to the Germantown dispatchers. So yeah, this is one where we just hear the gunshots, but they never, the dispatch never actually sends a call out to the cops. And we, you, yeah, you hear gunshots and you hear someone so clearly in distress. Yep, and we hear the dispatcher saying like, I'm just hearing gunshots. I'm just hearing gunshots. Yeah, that's a red flag. Here's what, but <laughs> like, we never, I- we never learn where this phone call is coming from. We never like get the act like, oh, we were able to trace the call and we know this call, this phone belonged to whoever. Right, because it says like, the cops never dispatched anyone, right? And so they track the call and they learn like, oh, it's outside our jurisdiction so they can't do anything. And I'm like, cool. Can you tell someone whose jurisdiction it's in? But then also this is confusing because they say the dispatchers saw that it was outside of our jurisdiction, but the actual police from Germantown are like, nope, that was actually within our jurisdiction. They, they screwed it up big time no matter what. And everyone's just trying to cover their tracks. But my, my thing is just moving forward, yeah, like a yeah. general note, yeah. if it's not in your jurisdiction, before you fucking throw your hands up and say, I don't want to deal with it, can you make the jurisdiction aware that there's an issue? Especially when Do you there's know what I mean? Gunshots. Pick up a phone. You distinctly hear like nine gunshots. Yeah. How about you just go? Right. I mean, like there's a madman running on. around there out there somewhere with a gun. Like you figure right. out just like let somebody know. And sick because it feels like they're like, huh, too bad if only someone could do something about yeah. that. Like you you could. And then we see Shara, the ex-wife, say, who gets a 911 call with gunshots and doesn't move on it? Who does that? Good point. You know? Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, they screwed up. The cops screwed up. A lot here. Yes. And like everyone admits it. So four days since Lorenzen's disappearance and the news breaks that he's missing because his mother filed a missing person's report. This is where they like they ping where that cell phone call came in. Yeah. This is where we learned that the call came from what is called the callous cutoff area. Yeah. Whatever. It's like an area of town. But then it takes them 10 days to send cadaver dogs to the location. Yeah. So 10 days since... Lorenzen's disappearance, they do a major search of the area. Some of the best cadaver search dogs in this region were involved in the grid search. And they quickly came across the remains of uh, what we now know to be Lorenzen Wright. They come across, like, the remains of Lorenzen Wright pretty quickly. Who was, and he was there for days, right? Like, and, and like, everyone's we, just destroyed. We see the stain on the ground where they found his body. Number one, it's it's really hard to look at. Yeah. Number two, it really takes up a huge... Like, this was a big man. It takes up a huge area. So his mother, Deborah, you know, and she she's very present on the news back then. Like, yeah. she's sitting here with us now, but she was always, you know, the squeaky wheel. Yes. Right? Yes. The squeaky wheel gets the oil or whatever. Like, you keep cases yeah. in the public eye. And she was doing that a lot. But at the same time, she's saying, I didn't even want to live anymore. And, no. and how could, like, why would she? She also tells the story about how she found out that he was dead. And this, to me, it was so embodied at what everybody is saying about Lorenzen. He bought her a bedspread that was too big for her own washing machine, <laughs> which means he he bought her an enormous bed uh-huh. and then bought her the bedding for right, it. Right, and right. the bedding was so big she couldn't wash it so, at home. And like, here comes the new washer and dryer delivered. Exactly. So she's at the laundromat washing her bedding because right. her son bought her the biggest bed with the biggest bedding. Right. And that's when like, the, that's where the cop finds her to tell her that like, and she said, his police friend, Dennis, came and found me. When I saw his face down, I knew my baby was gone. She could just see by the look on his face that the news was what it was going to be. And they were so, so close because she says, like, she wants to walk the path that Lorenzen must have walked because she says, we were so close, like, maybe he'd be able to tell me something. We see her doing it. We see yeah. her going, like, so Dennis, the friend, tells her he's dead. This is where we found the body. She runs down there. We see the footage of her on the news running yeah. to the area where the body was found. Yeah. And then the documentary does a very powerful on screen text thing. 
because it goes from Lorenzen like X amount of days missing, and yeah. now it says 16 days since Lorenzen's murder, and yes. the on-screen text fades from missing yep. into the word murder. I gotta tell you, like this series is really. We've done another episode of this, right? We did the Girls Gone Wild one. Yeah. We did. We did a few. We've the done a few episodes. Rich and of this. Shameless is really, really well made. Yeah, it's weird because it kind of gets into a little salacious. Like I don't like the title of the episode. Uh-huh. I don't like the opening credits. Yeah, but like a lot of the family members are here. Like the victim story seems to be told yeah. from the the people closest to it, which I like, but it's a little like, oh, we can tone it down a little. Yeah, and they do spend a lot of time here, like, showing us Lorenzen's memorial service, and they hold the memorial service at the arena. like Where the Memphis Grizzlies played their games, and it's packed. You cannot overstate how famous Lorenzen was in Memphis. He was, like, yeah. the most famous person who lived there. He was more than a hometown hero, because he was also, like, inspiring people out in the world as well, but yes. this was their his community. And it's like, who would do, they say it's, like, also, it's a very sad story, but it's also a real-life true crime mystery, because who would do this? He was the most generous person in town. Everybody loved him. And then the mom says, who would kill a person who has six kids? Now, I said earlier, he has seven kids. We'll learn that one of his one of his children died of sudden infant death syndrome, but he's got six living children. Yeah. So the cops are going through the forensics and the evidence to try to piece some of this together. Yeah. Lorenzen Wright died from multiple gunshot wounds, two to the head, two to the chest, and one to the forearm. He still had jury on. He still had an expensive watch. It's not a robbery. Okay, now what happened? And he had his expensive jewelry on. He had his fancy watch. So they're like, okay, this wasn't a robbery. Like, this was personal. Yeah, and they also say there were two types of bullets found at the crime scene. There was a small caliber and a medium caliber, which indicates there could have been two shooters. Yeah. Or, like, one shooter using two different guns. Or three, or, like, there were multiple people at the scene of this murder. So was it a professional hit? Like, what the hell happened here? And they're saying, like, we got to look at who would stand to gain the most from Lorenzen being dead. So now we we jump to... Three months after the murder, Deborah is here playing with her dog, and I think her dog's name is Mike. It is Mike. Right? Because yes. that's what the caption yeah. say. And she's like, come here, Mike. And I'm like, Mike, I love it. I was at the dog park once and I met Lori Metcalf. If you don't know who that is, you that's meet Aunt everyone ja- at the park. I didn't recognize her at first, but then I was like, oh my God, that's Aunt Jackie from yeah. Roseanne, who I'm obsessed with. Yeah. And she did not want to talk to me, but okay. then I won her over. And we were just like, it was just me and her and Daisy. And so it was me and Daisy and our dog and her and her dog. Her dog's name is Colleen. Her Perfect. I love that. <laughs> Colleen. I love it. I was like, that is the most amazing dog's name. Yeah. And she's like, why? And I was like, uh, I can't explain it. I, I, don't, know, I, I don't know why. Because it's great. It's like if your dog's name was Deb. Yeah. You know what I mean? that's a name. Joanne. You know? You know? Come here, Mike. I'm like, what? <laughs> I know. Deborah is here to tell us about the Lorenzen and Shara story. Yeah. So she was still in college. He was still in high school when they met. I get the sense that he was like an older senior in yeah. high school. And Here's he was, hoping. You know? Yeah. 18. I mean, I was 18 when I went to college. So yeah. I know seniors in high school can be 18. I don't know. Yes. They anyway, can be. they were in love from the beginning. They had kids right away. They have Loren and then they have Lorenzen Jr. I know. It's just like, I know families do that. It's just yeah. like, there are other names too. You yeah. know what I mean? Fucking Kardashians. That's what it always makes me think of. Wait, what are, what are their it's names? It's just all K names. Oh, like Kim and Chloe and... Courtney. <laughs> but we learned their kids were the glue that held everything together in yes. this family. Yes. Family first, basketball second, right? Yep. So it's 2001. He was 25 when he came home to pay for the Grizzlies. The whole Memphis was ecstatic. It's like our hometown boy is back. I didn't even think there would even be a team here in Memphis. We always dreamed about having a basketball team. 
He embraced and loved being the hometown hero. He's doing what he loves in his hometown. Like, yeah. he's super generous. Like, things couldn't get any better, right? And he also, like, just to make a note, he wasn't just buying homes and cars for his friends and family, which is great. Yes. But he was, like, starting basketball camps. He was lit- There's a story where he was literally, literally giving people the shirt off his back. Yeah, like, that's great. But he's also doing, like, I think the mom is saying he's too generous. Like, he's, like, $55 million is a lot. But, like, after agents fees and taxes and oh, yeah. whatever, like, that money is not going to be there forever. And he's doing things, like, Every year, he'd put a new diamond in his wife's ring. Well, the point is, Deborah's like, yeah, he was generous. But when it came to Shara, it was different. Because Deborah Lorenzen's mom says she needed everyone to know she was a millionaire's wife. And I'm like, oh, Deborah's not a fan. Noted. No. And, like, we're going to get a clip of her from the news later Mm. where she literally says to the, like, she says to camera, my watch is a car. My ring is a house. And, like, to say that out loud on TV. Like, oh, my, yeah. But, like. What Deborah is saying that like this was all kind of Shara's idea. Like every year Shara got a new diamond in her ring, and yeah. every year Shara redid the furniture. And I'm like, money aside, isn't that just a hassle? A Don't you just want to like hassle. have your house done and yes. then live in it? Yep. But the Deborah's making the point that like she just is bored and loved spending her son's money. Yeah. That's that's what Deborah's saying. Yeah. Very very clear. And it's funny because when she was talking about them being young and in love, it seemed like she kind of liked her. Mm. And then like as soon as we got to this part, I was like, oh no, Deborah does not mince words. She is on the wrong side of Deborah. Which is not the right side to be on. No. You know? No. Like I said, don't mess with Deborah. Don't fuck with Deborah. So it's 2003. Lorenzen is in his second year with the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. And disaster strikes. Lorenzen was playing, I think, his second year with the Memphis Grizzlies. One of their daughter, Sierra, she died of a sudden infant death syndrome. The death of Sierra, I think it just, it drew them apart. They both were out messing around. They both were out having affairs. You know, and... The last few years of their marriage was unhappy. I truly, truly cannot imagine the horror of that. And it destroyed him and it destroyed their marriage, which yes. is understandable. Of this course. is like a trauma and, and a sadness that it no one... It either brings you, know, you together and you survive it together or it's going to rip you apart. Yeah. And so we learned, you know, they were both cheating on each other. Yep. The last few years of their marriage were not happy ones. No. And seven years after the death of Sierra in 2010, they finally divorced. And yeah. that, like, that's a long time to be in a bad situation. Totally. You know? But like we learned that the last night that he was seen alive, he was at her house. So, like, things seem to be okay between them. Well, when Deborah says when they got divorced, she's like, it was over. Bye. And I'm yeah, like, Deborah. I know. Like, I know. What do you know? We well, will find out. We learn about their divorce settlement. He had to pay her $26,000 a month in alimony and child support. Right. Oh, my God. And Lorenzen moved on. He moved to Atlanta. He was happy. He was sort of, like, putting that cha- closing that chapter and yet still paying twenty six. We also learn that the money isn't going as far. Like, he's not playing basketball anymore. He they, retired. He retired. They say he made some bad financial investments he had given away so much of the money like money is starting to maybe be an issue because he of course he still had money but he wasn't bringing any more in right and then when you set this precedent of like Lorenzen will pay for it Lorenzen will buy and he doesn't want to say no it's like you don't have that influx coming in anymore it's much easier when he's a superstar getting paid X amount like yeah what's a car because now he was buying cars for his friends can you imagine so like we hear about this all the time like it happens with people who are super successful really young like celebrities like athletes musicians Especially people who don't come from anything. Right. So it's four months since Lorenzen's murder, and there's a lot of pressure to solve this, especially because they screwed up that 911 call so badly. Yes. And everybody knows about it. And there's rumors going around now. Some of the stories that were coming out about drug-related or he owed money here, you don't know how much of it is true, but it didn't sound right with me just from the Lorenzen I knew. 
Shara Wright has told Corryville police Lorenzen Wright left her home carrying a box of drugs. Shara tells the investigators that Lorenzen left her house that night carrying, quote, a box of drugs, and Deborah, the mom, is not about it. She puts a stop to that right now. Yes. She goes on the news yes. and sets the record straight, and she's like, excuse me, he worked incredibly hard to get where he is, and she says, don't knock him down like that. No, and then we learn that Shara, I mean, obviously, Shara is the last person to see him alive, so she's interviewed several times by the cops. And they didn't have a great relationship for a while, right. and now, you know, like... And, like, she's living on his money, and she loves to spend it. She she told them, Shara told the cops that, quote, armed men came to her house looking for him. And she's like, is that anything? Could that have anything to do with what happened to him and why no one has seen him? None of this makes sense. And Deborah cannot understand why the cops aren't investigating Shara the ex. Because Deborah's like, she's lying. Trench coats and guns, Deborah says. And the, quote, box of drugs. Right. So Deborah's like, look, Shara is lying. She's not making any sense. She was the last person to see right. him alive. She would benefit to get all the money instead of in $25,000 increments. Like, let's go. And also, like, there's no more new money coming in like Shara is literally the only person who like is obsessed with the money and right. it probably wants to get it before he spends it all right and by spends it all I mean gives it all away to good causes exactly you and know? like starts basketball camps for kids exactly so we jump to 2014 four years after the murder no arrests no new evidence no charges no leads I don't understand like the police already fucked this up so bad with the 911 right. call the answer seems obvious to me right? right it seems like they're not looking and Deborah's not stopping Deborah, right. the mom she's on the news and she tells us she goes it wasn't just a cold case it was like a block of ice it was frozen yes. and she says I couldn't let it stay frozen I had to do something yeah every year I had him a public birthday party and a visual at the FedEx forum and make t-shirts every year I want to keep his name alive I want people to know my son is gone keep praying for me keep praying so we get to the end of this I can't keep this the rest of my life something needs to be done She's keeping people talking about it, which is what you have to do. Yes. And then we get a video, of, like an old video of Lorenzen talking about how much he loves dogs. Yep. I feel like they put that in just for you. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Hi, Mike. The dog. Hi, Mike. So Deborah. Hey, Colleen. Hey, Colleen. <laughs> Hi, Fiona. Hi, Golden. Hi, everybody. Aww. I dragged him down the hallway again this morning. And that's like he loves being dragged down the hallway. For people who don't know, Golden will throw himself on the ground every morning when I take him out because the carpet is like rigged, ridged in such yeah, a way that like it scratches his tummy. And he wears a harness. So and he wears a harness. Him by, you're not pulling him by his he neck. He loves it. He rolls around. He flips himself little, over. Nice massage. It's his favorite part it's of like the day. He's through a little car wash. Cutie. <laughs> so Deborah is like, we gotta make some moves and Deborah has her sights set on Shara. Yes. Because Shara is the only one with something to gain. If Lorenzen died, she gets all the insurance money. And yep. she got the insurance money. Let me tell you this. <sighs> Shara spent almost a million dollars in 10 months. $973,000. That money was for her kids. She bought a new mansion an Escalade, a Mercedes, a Lexus, and property in Arkansas. Can I ask you a question? Who needs three cars? I get that they Who have, Who needs like, property in Arkansas? Well, A, but, like, they've got six kids, I get it, but they can all fit in the Escalade. What are you doing with a Mercedes and a Lexus? Right, I don't, I mean, because this wasn't about her kids. It was about, like, I believe what Deborah's saying. She wanted to be the millionaire's wife. She yes. just wanted to brag about it. Oh because, my God. like, oh, you have three cars? Who Like, she loves that you just asked that. Right. Because she's like, I have three cars. But it's also, like, a million, you gotta raise these kids for the rest of, until they're all 18, like, a million dollars. I know that sounds like a ton of money and she it doesn't is. Care. She doesn't care. It's all for her. And Deborah is like screaming from the rooftops like, hello. Yes. So Deborah keeps telling people that Shara was involved, but no one was taking her seriously because the cops were like, great, like show us the credible evidence. Like we understand what you're saying, but where is the evidence here? And De I love that Deborah's like, I'm not going to show you the evidence, but Shara might. So 2015, <laughs> Shara writes a book called Mr. Tell Me Anything. And I'm like, I'm sorry, was If I Did It Taken? I, I, 
Oh, it was. I know, I know, I know. And I gotta tell you, like, writing, so, like, it's a book that is about, quote, a philandering and and physically abusive athlete based on Lorenzen Wright. So, Shara's name is Shara Wright Robinson. The woman in the book is Sharon Robertson, not Robertson Robertson. I copied and pasted the synopsis. Give it to us, GP. Falling in love with the same man of her dreams over and over again was not a difficult task for Sharon Robertson. She had cherished Mr. Tell Me Anything so long that her fragile heart didn't even know how to love him. After six years, the couple settles into a troubled marriage. Uh. Despite the inherited challenges of parenting and relating to their obvious differences, they continue on. With the constant chaos surrounding women, new acquaintances, family, and greed, their efforts would soon appear to ultimately be in vain. Combined with the newfound lies and deception, she finds herself questioning his commitment. Again, a little a little nugget of truth, right? Yeah, they yeah, were yeah. cheating on each other. Yep. It continues. Her belief in true love propels her to fight for what she has envisioned from the start. But despite her nurturing efforts, corruption and deceit took their stable places in his life. A breaking point is reached. <gasps> she makes a life-altering decision. Does it work out for her for good? Did all of his lies finally catch up to him? Or would he or she pay the ultimate price? Now, I gotta tell you, having done it, Writing a book is really hard. Uh-huh. Like, did she have a ghostwriter or did she do this herself? I'm assuming she had help. Because that, I mean, it sounds like an interesting read. Yeah, and it seems like she's writing the story of her life, too. Exactly, so. exactly. Because then she writes this shitty book. Yep. Then she announces that she was planning to release a sequel where the main character, Lorenzen Wright, that's based on Lorenzen Wright, would be killed. This is If I Did It All Over Again. Right, and then Officer Darren is like, which was odd because she was always a person of interest. Like, Narcissists sh- are gonna narcissist. I, I don't know. know what to tell you. Shara, we are looking at you, girl. So, cut to June 30th, 2015. She does an interview to promote her stupid book. Oh my God. And they ask her directly, yeah. did you have anything to do with Lorenzen's murder or his disappearance? And she just starts monologuing. Her answer is unreal. She says, I'm a mother. I'm a wife, I'm an author, and the police should find his killer. For my name to be even in the same sentence or something like that, I've never been in any type of trouble or anything. I, I just, I, I'm a mother, an author, and a wife. Does she even deny it? Does she even say no? Exactly. I mean, she does then say, like, the fact that my name would even be mentioned, and then she cuts herself off, and I'm like, I'm no. I'm a wife. I'm an author. She, I'm a and she doesn't say she didn't do it, because best friend Michael is like, any innocent person would just be like, of course I had nothing to do with this. Right? What are you talking about? And my heart about? is broken every day. Yes, yes. You know, I look in the faces of my six living children, and, and I have to And try to provide for them the best yes. I could, but meanwhile, I'm buying a mansion and an Escalade and a Lexus and a Mercedes. Oh, my God. But it doesn't end there, because now her story starts to, what they say, change and evolve, because it always does. She's saying, I never said there was a box of drugs. And if there was a box of drugs, I had nothing to do with it. I had no knowledge of it. And she's like, the, the box of drugs did not come out of Shara Wright's mouth. She's like, it was insinuated and created for certain purposes. And I'm like, then elaborate. Right. Then what were they? Don't just talk in circles and monologue and give me word salad. What are you saying? Because nobody wants you to be the killer less than like everybody here. We need somebody to raise these fucking kids. Right. So stop talking about it. Also, keep talking about it. Yeah. Stay stupid. Write stay the book. stupid. But like, I hate when people do this where it's like, yeah, well, the, you know, certain circumstances and insinuations, then what? Uh, right. Then tell me what the truth is. Right. But you can't. She's in her artist studio in the back working on Please. her next novel. Ignoring her kids <laughs> yes. who miss their father. Who are just like grieving in the living room playing like, Xbox all day. Six years after Lorenzen's murder, someone comes forward and is just like, hey, I know who killed Lorenzen Wright. And everyone falls off their chair and loses their mind. Because this is the thing. Like, you can't, like, everyone stays stupid. Like we always say, if you commit murder with other people, someone is going to say something to somebody. Right. So they start investigating this lead. 
And this investigation leads to Jimmy Martin, who is who? Shara Wright's cousin, who was in jail for killing his female partner. He named Shara Wright as the person that planned and conspired to kill Lorenzen. Oh, Shara Wright always planned and conspired to kill Lorenzen. Like, ju- just like that. I mean, what yeah. does the guy have to lose? He's in prison for murder anyway. And the, Jimmy's story is that, Shara's story is that Lorenzen is planning to kill me and I need to beat him to the punch. That's a lie. Just go to the cops if that's true. Right, Shara. that's a lie. And I want to say here, like, she's talking a lot about domestic violence and, like, everybody else is saying we knew nothing about that. That didn't seem like the kind of relationship that they had. There was no, like, evidence that anybody ever saw of that. Mm-hmm. We only hear about that from Shara. And, like, we've had stories before that, like, not all abuse, you can't see abuse. Yes. Like, not all abuse leaves bruises. But there was also no, she was, like, spending all his money. Right. And everything seemed great until she just wanted more money. I'm not saying I don't believe her. I'm just saying this documentary doesn't show us any evidence that that was the case. That's all I'm saying. So now Jimmy tells the cops, you know, I was there when she was planning it. She was planning it with this guy named Billy Ray Turner. And I'm like, right, but Jimmy, you were involved in this, too, because who discusses a murder plot with someone who isn't also involved in the murder plot? Of course. Right? And also, why are you coming forward out of the clear blue sky? So let's talk about Billy Ray Turner and Shara. Yeah. They went to the same church. Billy did some lawn work for Shara. And oh, 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 they were sleeping together. So right. Deborah, <laughs> I, I, let me this just, is, can I please? Uh, please. This is great. Deborah is here. Deborah is Lorenzen's mother. And she's like, I was shocked when I found out he was a yard boy. Lorenzen's yard boy. But I was surprised at what happened between him and her because what happened between him and her happened between her and a lot of hymns. Now, let me say something. We do not slut shame on this podcast, but that was poetry. It was. That's poetry. Yeah. No slut shaming, but like Deborah's part of this. Stop writing books about, I like, know. please. I know. So Jimmy Martin, the cousin, was not there for the murder, but he's like, I did help clean up the scene of the crime. It's like, you, you were there. Not only did he help clean up the crime scene, he then drove Billy Turner, one of the gunmen, to a place called Walnut, Mississippi, where they threw one of the murder weapons into a lake. And then... Let's not forget, Jimmy went and killed his girlfriend or wife because he's now in prison for murder. Exactly. Like, this guy's not really holding back from the trouble here. You know what I mean? Exactly, he was, he was, exactly. He's trying to make himself seem a little bit better. He was there for all of it. Of course. And Officer Darren is like, wait a second. The murder weapon is in that lake. This changes everything. And he says, we had a great reputation with the FBI. The FBI has one of the best evidence recovery dive teams in the world. And I'm like, cool story, but could that gun really be there after seven years? I, I, I mean, where's it going to go? Well, <laughs> apparently, yes, everyone. Right, right. Because it doesn't take more than 45 minutes for the guy to find the gun they're looking for. And the gun, for in someone's infinite wisdom, I, stay yeah. stupid, everyone, was in an airtight Tupperware container. Why? Like, why? People are so dumb. So why would you do that? It, like, helped protect it for yes. seven years. And it, like, stayed in one place. I like, know. thanks. I know. Why? I would ne- it would never occur to me to put a gun in a, in a Tupperware. Thank you for doing that, idiots. Stay stupid. <laughs> so, like, it's a nine millimeter. The shell casing yeah. from that gun matches the ones found at the murder scene. Like, this. This is the murder weapon. Right. So they're like, okay, so Jimmy is definitely a murderer and a shitty guy, but like this one thing he told us is true. So let's see what else we can find. Because Deborah's really excited, but the cops tell her just because we have the gun doesn't mean we have the case. They got a lot of work to do to connect the gun to the murder. So they get a wiretap on that <laughs> Billy that Billy guy's phone you and on gotta, Shara's phone. You have to assume if you commit murder that your phone is immediately wiretapped the next right. day. Why are you not assuming that? And th- I guess because it's seven years later. Yeah. 
Yes. But what they, because it's seven years later and they're probably not talking about it as much as they were anymore. They do like that phrase we heard, like tickle the wire. Yeah, yeah. So they release the fact that the <laughs> well, gun. I've never heard that in seven and a half years we've been making this we've podcast. We've absolutely I've... learned. They talk about it with the mob a lot. Because, tickle the wire. Because Remember? what they do is they're trying to get people to talk on the phone and it works. Yes, yeah. We began to listen to their conversations and decided, okay, we need to release the fact that this murder weapon was found. Police say they found the gun they believe was used to kill Wright seven years ago. It worked. Shara contacted Billy saying that they need to talk. They need to get together. They release the fact that the gun has been found, hoping that they'll call each other about it. And that's exactly what happens. Can we just take a quick pause? Because you remember back in the early days when you said juke the stats? And oh, I yeah. never heard that before. It's from The Wire. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. That's where I learned. I mean, that's like a phrase, but it's just, yeah. All right. And to- tickle the wire. All right. Yes. Yeah, like... Which is, this is a perfect example of it. Right. They're releasing something to get people to say something on the wire. So seven years later, they're like, shit. And that's what happens, right? So Shara immediately calls Billy, says they need to talk. She flies into Memphis from wherever she's living. And I'm like, that's a lot for a casual conversation with a friend. Well, you don't want to do it on the phone. I mean, I guess now she's thinking, like, Shara, if you're you're flying in because you think your phone might be tapped, like, they know where you went. Right, but They heard you make the plan. Shara, it doesn't matter because your phone is tapped. So now they know that, like, where the meetup spot is. And they're coming to get you. (laughs) You idiot. The look of disgust on your face. And you too, Billy Ray Cyrus, whatever the fuck your name is. Like... He came in like a wrecking ball. <laughs> her voice is unbelievable. It is unbelievable. So Dolly Parton's her godmother. Is that right? Isn't that the coolest thing? God damn it. She like grew up with Dolly Parton like imparting uh, wisdom on her on a daily basis. It worked. Miley Cyrus. You yeah. did it, Dolly. So anyway, the cops set up surveillance. We see the photos of the meetup. Yes. Also, Shara Googled something like, are there still fingerprints on a gun after it's been in a lake for seven years? <laughs> like, that's basically I mean, what she Googled. It really literally is. Like, but like, I just, everyone is so, go to the Keep library. Just go to the library. No, no, get to the library too. I, doesn't matter. We're coming for you. If you I do know. anything online, it yes. is tracked, it is traced. I don't I know. care how anonymous you think you are, yep. baby girl. Yeah, you go to the card catalog. Like, get a book on whether or not guns can sell fingerprints on them after that's seven years. Tracked too. Okay. It's 2024. You we know what? Just ya. don't kill people. We got you. <laughs> Just don't commit murder and you never have to look it up. Do you know what I you mean? You know what I mean? So the cops were also able to track Shara's phone back to the night of the murder. And yes. we saw that like all of their phones were being used where the murder took place. Like we have them. Yeah. We got them. Yeah. So it's December 4th, 2017, and Deborah is play- praying in church and she's basically like, I'm in church on the floor. I'm like, Jesus, please help them get Cheryl Robinson. That's what I said on the floor at my church. The next day I woke up, they had Billy. Thank God. But God, that was God doing that. He did that for me. The next day, Billy Turner was arrested. So I'm pretty good at praying. Yeah, Billy Turner's arrested. He's held on $1 million bond. He's indicted for first-degree murder. And then Shara is arrested in California. She is charged with first-degree murder, conspiracy to commit murder, and attempted murder. And we remember our pastor friend, Dr. Bill Atkins. He's like, Shara had a history of manipulating men. Apparently, some men found her desirable. I Uh, I don't know. Not my cup of tea. When Deborah finds out that Shara's been arrested, she goes, evil, 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 the wicked witch of the South. Right? Oh, my. But now we learn just like real quick apparently before the murder these two tried to kill Lorenzen once before they like the murder was not the first time they were trying to kill him because they went they like went to Lorenzen's house this Billy Ray Turner and Um, Jimmy Martin a month before the actual murder to kill him but Lorenzen
Jensen wasn't home. His best friend Mike from earlier in the episode was home, and they were like, "Uh, wrong guy." Yeah. Mike well, was like, Michael, what? Michael he's like napping on the couch. He's sleeping on the couch. He's like literally. If Lorenzen had been home and they had killed him, they would have had to have killed me too because they couldn't have left a witness. Exactly. Like, and I'm sorry, guys. Why are you doing this? And what do you think is going to happen? Like, you're just going to make it like a robbery? Right. It's gonna make you it look think, like a robbery? Because like that didn't work when you actually pulled it off and you left his watch and you left like you know what I mean? And you put the weapon. In, in an airtight t- container and put it in the Oh my God, lake. stay stupid. So back to 2017, Shara has a plea hearing and she's pleading guilty to facilitation of murder. Well, because they, they say at this point, like Shara realizes she's facing the rest of her life in prison. So she makes a plea deal. Right. And we see the judge say to her like, The lawyers asked the court to advance the case today uh, for today's docket indicating that there's a possibility that a resolution has been reached in lieu of trial. Is that correct? Yes, yes sir. On count one of the indictment, Shara Wright will enter a plea of guilty uh, to the offense of facilitation to commit murder in the first degree. In lieu of a trial, you're pleading guilty to facilitation to commit murder in the first degree. And she agrees to a 30-year sentence because she'll be eligible for parole in nine years. So she's pleading guilty to putting the murder together, but not the actual murder. And, I, like, Deborah's not happy about this. No, because we're going to learn that Shara was there. She pulled the yeah. trigger. And I'm like, I, like, I understand. Or maybe I don't know if I understand or not. Why does the family have no say here? I don't know. Like, they're just trying to save the money of a trial? Like, she did this. Like, she should go to jail forever. Yeah. I Why mean, does she get to decide? to do a plea deal that's going to have her out in nine years. Right. And the family's not consulted? Yeah, I like, don't know. This is the hometown hero. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. So it's 2022 now, 12 years after the murder. No one has been convicted of the actual murder of Lorenzen Wright. Yeah. But Billy Ray Turner is on trial for Lorenzen Wright's murder. And Jimmy Martin, ter- Shara's cousin, testifies. Yep. And he's like, look, Shara and Lorenzen met Billy on some back road. Like, Shara led him to, to this his horrible death. thing. And they both shot him. They at like you hear the gunshots on this the 911 call. So horrible. And they asked Jimmy like We shouldn't have heard this 911 call. As many we, times we, as we did. We should I know. not have heard. This was this was really heartbreaking and and someone's final devastating terrifying moments. We should not have heard this. Because we do hear him say help. Yeah. And this is the this part is where good. I don't understand why we never get told that like they tracked the call to Lorenzen's phone. Like yeah. why why do we never get that piece of information? You know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But we learned that Shara was one of the trigger people. Remember, there was two different bullet casings the found. The two-shooter theory from the top of the episode was right. This is where Deborah the mom says, like, we know that Lorenzen was shot in the face. And I'm telling you, I don't care what anybody says. I believe she had got her shot in his face. Because she always talked about how good he looked and women stayed looking at him. I don't care what y'all say. Billy didn't shoot him in the face. That was personal. Cheryl shot him in the face. She was right there with him. Shara was the one who shot him in the face because yeah. she was so jealous of all the other women who found him so handsome. Yeah, and because he'd moved on, remember? He moved to Atlanta. Right. He wasn't... Like, she killed the father of her, their children yep. knowing... I mean, she had to know she was going to get caught. She that had to. At the very least, she was going to maybe had a couple of years to spend the and insurance money. And writing that book? I mean, how much do you have to not love your kids uh-huh. to kill their father knowing you're going to get caught and go to prison for the rest of your life? Yeah. I mean, she's a monster. Monster. So Billy Ray Turner is found guilty of first-degree murder, and he gets put away for life. 
And then, like, we end, it's 2023, and Lorenzen's University of Memphis jersey is being retired. Yeah. So, like, he's a legend, and and by retiring that, he's going to, like, live on forever. That number is just gonna, always going to be his. And we get, like, this on-screen text, like, Billy Ray Turner still maintains his innocence. He's going to appeal. Shara Wright did not respond to their yeah. request to participate. Then we, like, go back to 2022, and Shara is begging for mercy at a parole hearing. Yes. Literally begging. And Deborah Wright is there. And we see her, like, stand up and argue back at Shara. Yes. Like, talking back to her. Like, Deborah, I love that. It's just, like, she's never going to let this go. And no. she shouldn't. No. And no. And it's where I always go. Like, if he had never become a famous basketball player, he never would have been rich, and he would still be alive. I know. But. And- like, why should he not do the thing no, 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 he's amazing no. at? I'm just saying that, like, he lived his, like, greatest dream, but, right. like, he doesn't get to be with his kids. It, like, I know. It always comes back to the kids for me. It's so hard. Like, when these people are, like, I can't un- see that moment of Shara on the news saying my watch is a car mm-hmm. my ring is a house that's mm-hmm. all she cared that, about she thinks in currency she yes. thinks in dollar amounts like, like you had seven children with this man and you're buying mansions and property and three luxury cars like what about your kids like do six they six of these kids are still alive and they don't have any parents now like, are they hungry I know oh are you are you God. even thinking about that Shara like no. do they have everything they need do they have their school supplies like are they good so run I don't know. prison for the rest of your life goodbye but yeah she's up for parole in 2020 Seven. Fuck you. Bye. Bye. Also, hi Deborah. You're amazing. You're amazing. Thanks. We love Thank you. you for being here and yeah. like telling us the story. Uh. Oh, girl, we did. What is it? So this is the murder of Lorenzen Wright, but it's an episode of that show, Rich and Shameless. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fam, join the Facebook group. We're doing watch parties for the episodes. Join Patreon, where we're yes. doing cocktail classes and happy hours and, and drag, drag bingo. bingo. You also get a, a full ad-free bonus episode every single week. There's over 400 to download a bitch right this second. Tell them about Love Has Won. We did Love Has Won. We're doing Love Has Won. It is a madness it nightmare. Is the cultia. It is the weirdest, worst cult we've ever covered. And, it is so wild. It's the most requested doc of the year. Yeah, I side googled, so I have updates that HBO did not tell us. So oh my stay god, tuned for that. we're doing the curious case of N- Natalia Grace. Yeah, we're gonna dig into that. Doing we're doing uh, Twin Flames. We're doing the Lost Women of Highway Twenty. Thank you, Octavia Spencer. Yeah, we did everything from the staircase to Serial Season One to yeah, Bad Vegan, Murderer, and Tiger King, and yeah. Millions. All everything. the wild crimes. Yep, it's all there. Patreon.com/slash True Crime Obsessed. Yep, girl, what are we doing next? We are doing the murder of Christian Aguilar, which is an episode of that show, Death in the Dorms. Oh yes, that's that- a great. Great show. Very well done. Very victim centric. So that's next. All right. Stay tuned for the trailer for that, fam. And then our funny and hilarious outtakes where I talk more about not knowing which is baseball, which is basketball. (laughs) It is a little bit of a tongue twister. Like when you're reading it, it's just a couple letters off. Totally. But very different sports. uh, Very. Okay. We love you. We love you. All right. Bye. Bye. What should have been a great time of life and a great four years, it just became tragedy. You know, I want to find him. When he's still alive. I'm not going home until I find my son. Christian has essentially gone dark. We didn't find anything. We found no evidence whatsoever. It really was just a terrible story. It was a harrowing thing that happened to our campus community. All my energy was focused on the search and finding Chris. We were feeling unsafe. The freshman has gone missing. What is being done? Thought that was in the news, that was in the movies, but that's not the reality. The reality is that's tragedy out there, and 
y que happen. What's the There's really Courtney. rich one? Oh, Courtney. Is Chloe the really rich one? All the really rich they ones. are, but she's like the young one who's like the model and the makeup person and all of that. I know there's Chris. A, there's Chris. Yeah. Kylie. Kylie. That's what I'm thinking of. God, there's one more. It's gonna kill me. Oh, no. Wait, it's 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 Kendall. Oh yeah. Oh, maybe that's the one I'm thinking of. Maybe Kendall's the really rich one. They're all really rich. I know. We're splitting hairs here. <laughs> I can't believe we're talking about the Kardashians for this long. Fuck I, them. I know. I know. Not that I'm a basketball scholar. I've just learned there's a Hall of Fame. But, like, I... It's the Baseball Hall oh. of Fame. <laughs> Which is the one with the bat? You're killing me. Because <laughs> I know you know the answer. <laughs> Rugby. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. 